0: Welcome to part two of this very special Evan Roberts podcast, John Minko, the interview. In part one of the interview, which you could check out in the archives, we went through John Minko's childhood, we went through him growing up, his love life, his getting into radio, going to Butler, and beginning the career that was the legendary career of John Minko. Where we left off, Mink finally got a big break. He is now working at Wire. In Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, And I want to point out that we are bringing in a third guest for this podcast. And that is a guy who you hear occasionally chime in on the Midday Show. And that is the iconic one, Dove Kramer. And the thinking of bringing Dove in here is we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the birth of WFAN. And Dove has questions and things he can add to this. So, Dove, I appreciate you coming on.
1: No problem.
2: All right. The bottom line is this. uh, Dove is in here to challenge basically everything I say.
1: Well, we'll see what you say. Is that really what you're going to do? No. You're going to try
2: to
0: fact-check the crap out of John Manko? (laughs)
2: Different
1: perspective. Understand, I was 22 years old when we started on the air. 22-year-old doesn't know really what's happening. What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) 22-year-olds know everything.
1: My first full-time job at radio, I, I... my, my perspective on the business is much different now than it was.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I can imagine.
1: So, and, but John was older. He had that better perspective from the beginning. Well, let's
0: get back, especially if you had just listened to part one. Mink, if I'm not mistaken, you're probably in your early 20s right now as you yeah. got this gig at Wire. Is that correct? That, that's
2: correct. All right. So how long were you at Wire? I was at WYRE for 10 years. Wow. And, and Wire is a—it was— a, a country music station on the AM dial. And, and back in those days, especially in market sizes the, like Indianapolis, radio stations were all things to all people. So in other words, and FM really was not very big at that time. And so you had AM stations, you had Wire and WIBC, which were the two biggest stations in town. WIBC played you know, regular uh, uh, adult contemporary music and Wire was country. And, and it was all things, all people, and by that I mean you had five-minute newscasts at the top and every hour 24-7 mm. uh, that were locally oriented. You had street reporters and things like that. You had sports in the morning at 15 and 45 for a few hours. So it you had sounds sports like... in the afternoon as well, and I did the afternoon sports. So it
0: sounds as if it was almost a mix between the modern-day, you know, wins and a country station
2: where you're getting, as you said, a little bit of everything. That's right. And it was basically no such thing at that time as talk. Right. I mean, that that was, you know, the you, uh, program director at that time was Gary Havens, and he used to make sure that the disc jockey, play the music, play the music, play the music. This is a low-powered AM radio station with pretty darn good ratings at that time. and sure. One of the... Better known country radio stations in the country at that time was WYRE. We're, well, and you were doing, as you said, news and sports at this at this a- time. Afternoon sports, and I did high school football and basketball. It, like I said, every all things to all people. We did sports at night, and uh, I did the afternoon. I mean, the, um, the high school basketball games and the high school football games. And for a couple of years. Our station got the rights to the Indiana Pacers, oh. and I was a member of the Indiana Pacer broadcast Oh, team. wow. So how many Indiana Pacer games would you do per year? Would you do all of no, them? No, I was to fill-in play-by-play person, Okay, okay. But but what we did then is that we did an hour pregame show and a, a normal postgame show at, at, at that time, and the ironic thing about that is I traveled. Mm. So we did a Pacer hour Pre-game show on the road and players were much more accessible than uh, players, much more friendly than uh, players would be warming up. I'd be doing a show at 630 for a 730 tip and we'd be able to wave a star over mm. even Dominique Wilkins and and especially Pacers and things like that to just sit right there in front of us. And do like a five-minute interview, take them away from their pregame preparation. You could do that. Then. That's crazy. Who is the biggest star you got to interview then? Oh, but, but Kareem. abdul Jabbar. Oh, really? how was it? And Kareem and and Larry Burke. And and, and even then, uh, we were in Los Angeles uh, for the uh, the Pacers and the Lakers. And and I asked um, the the PR person, you know, could you set up uh, an interview, so I could use pregame with Kareem. He said, no, no, just go ask him. <laughs> Is That easy. It was that easy. That that does not happen today.
0: No, different. So how many years were you doing the Indiana Pacers then? Uh, two years. It was a two year run, and then it, they lost the rights to them yeah, or something?
2: Yeah, they went to w, uh, WIBC.
0: So your 10 years at Wire, did you kind of did you do basically the same thing for 10 years? The the sports in the afternoon, the high school football, a little bit of play by play. Was that basically your gig for 10 Th- years? That was basically it. Yep. All right. Now I assume, because this goes back to part one, initially when you had met your wife back in New Jersey, you had a relationship while she was in Jersey and you were in Indiana. At
2: what point did she move to Indiana? I'm assuming that happened. Uh, Yes, it did. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, when when we got married. When you got married. When we got married and then we packed up the car and let's go to Hoosierland. Okay. And so now you're both living in
0: Indiana. Did you have your first kid while living in Indiana?
2: Both my Children of Hoosiers.
0: Wow, both of them born there.
2: Both of them born.
0: All right, so 10-year run at WIRE.
2: Where the hell did this WFAN thing come from? You're in Indiana. I was, and uh, Gary Havens was, was the program director for the first several years at, mm-hmm. at WIRE, and then uh, he moved on, uh, and Gary went to Emmis and became the program director at WHN, uh, which uh, was 10.50 a.m. here in New York City. And this is—I always took vacation to come back to Jersey to visit parents, of course, and kids to see their grandparents. And this would always come after the second Indiana-Kentucky high school all-star basketball game. And in 1986, that pattern remained true. And so I come back here. We drove—drove, of course, we always drove—and I called up Gary in, in in New York, and I said, you know. Yeah, I'm on vacation. Come see you. And he said, absolutely. So he gave me the directions and uh, everything to the Kaufman Astoria building. And so this is uh, either the last week of June or the first week of July of 1986. Okay. And so I find it. <laughs> I Kaufman Astoria for the I first time. I don't know how I found it, but <laughs> I found it. Right. And I walk downstairs and, uh, and walk in and met Lee Arnold and Del DeMontro. Um, and oh, who are they, by the way? DJs? It, yeah, okay. uh, legendary country Le- DJs. I apologize for not knowing that. Especially okay. Lee Arnold. Okay. Lee Arnold is one of the all-time greats. And um, I think he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame. I, if, if he isn't, he should be. Uh, so anyway, Gary comes, gets me, shows me around. I meet these people. We go in his office, uh, which was uh, Eric Spitz's office eventually, and he shuts the door. What are you thinking at this moment? By the way, you're just catching up with a friend, or do you think th- something serious was about to happen? When the door shut, I didn't know what was going to happen. Wow. And and um, he and, and he said, "Well, I got to tell you something." And I said, "Okay." He says, "He says, first of all, you make sure you tell no one." I said, "Who am I going to tell? I don't know anybody here." Now, now you must really be thinking <laughs> something big's about <laughs> I, I, to happen. I yeah. And so he goes. He says, "Well." Next week or the week after, you're going to get a call from Rick Cummings. Rick Cummings is uh, a classmate of mine from Butler. We did play-by-play together. He was the program director of the student radio station. Um, So we've been friends for years, uh, literally years, years, years. And he says they're going to give you a call. They're thinking, and these, these are the exact words, they're thinking of changing this frequency to all sports. And so I paused, and then I lifted up my head and I said, "What was that again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Remember, they had the Mets already at this time. They carried the Met game, the country
2: station ten right. And okay.
1: also how we actually did sports for Dell's morning show.
0: That's so exactly so right. w- would you say that the New York country, so what was it w h n you said? Yeah, okay. was w h n basically New York's version of Wire, where it's all things for everybody and you country know,
2: they they did have okay. uh, I, I believe. and um uh, Mr. Kramer can probably allude to that. Uh, they, I mean, they had Howie doing sports. Mm-hmm. They had baseball at night. I don't know if they covered anything during the wintertime, but I think they had live newscasts they in the did. morning.
1: Actually, Sue Guzman was the one who used to uh, Who's produce that? that news. You remember Sue?
2: Yes. Yeah, but our listeners don't know who right.
1: Sue is. Well, who is Sue? She actually did some writing and some fill-in f- on Imus' show and she did, oh, when okay. Charles was off. She did some writing and did some fill-in news and Best of Imus also.
2: The, when... So it was all things to all people at that time, too, on an AM radio station. When he says
0: we're thinking of flipping it to sports, does that even – what does that register as? Because remember, obviously, there's no sports talk radio in the country yet. So when he says that, did you envision 24-7 sports or did you think it was something
2: else? No, I I just – what do you – whatever the words were, you know, what do you think about now or whatever it was. And I didn't know what to think. Right. You know, and – I I didn't know what to think. I mean, it wasn't – I knew of Enterprise Radio, and I'd heard Enterprise Radio. Ed Coleman worked there, and John Shannon worked there as well.
1: He ran it, John Shannon. They what? He ran Enterprise. He ran Enterprise. And what was
2: Enterprise? It was – you know what? It was ESPN Radio. It was basically ESPN Radio in – an first infant form. stage. Right. right. Okay. So like an original it, form of sports talk. It was the first talk. national That's right. sports news yeah, radio. It, gotcha. Yeah. If ESPN gotcha. Radio wants to think that they're the first national network, that we're the first local-oriented all-sports station, and if ESPN wants to think that they're the first, they're wrong. It's enterprise. It's to my knowledge. And C worked there. So C worked there. I think Ed Randall worked there too. When, when he tells you this
0: information, you know, we're thinking of flipping this to sports. Don't tell anybody you're going to get this call in a week. Are you thinking, well, cool. I'm getting a job because obviously why else is he bringing this up to me?
2: He's going to offer me a gig at this new sports station. You must've been thinking that, right? I, I, it came through my mind, uh, because I, you know, I always wanted to come back to New York. Sure. You know, come back home and, and, and things of uh, of that nature. Right, right. Uh, You've
0: been in Indiana for how many years now? You've been there for 15 years if you include oh, yeah. college. You went to school and everything like right, that. Right,
1: right, so, right. Yeah, right.
2: no, I, uh, the thought was, you did, know.
1: Did you think Gary was going to be there to run the station?
2: No. Uh, he said he was, he was always there just as interim. Okay. Everything was interim. He was there just to care. And the thing is, though, nobody else there knew that. Mm. I knew that. Uh, because he told me. (laughs) Did you ask any follow-up questions, by the way, when he tells you this? At that time? Were you just stage fright, basically? A, I don't think so, and two, I don't remember. Okay. I mean, uh, I just sat there saying, I'm going to wait for the phone call. All right. Which did come the following week. Okay, so now
0: you go back to Indiana, bring the kids back, bring the wife back, you get the call. What does the call entail?
2: What's said? uh, We're going to dinner. Okay. And, um, and, um, that, uh, that, that, and the first – we met, I would say, two or three times every month uh, from, in, from July of 86 until, you know, the, the day that, that, you know, I came here. So what, what would you guys talk about, the future we of would this talk potential about, They wanted – they ended up having Greg Gumbel do the mornings. They wanted Bob Costas to do the mornings.
0: Really? That was the original that, guy? And now, they,
1: Bob Costas actually did his national show from the HN, HN Studios Sunday nights.
2: But uh, they did want Bob Costas. That uh, that is that's true story. So, it was, <laughs> so were they giving you whether it was this Terry
0: Cummings? I think you said Rick Cummings. Rick Cummings. Terry Cummings. I think is like a Broadway star, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Rick Cummings. Are they telling you or he's telling you this information about what they're trying to do with this radio station? Yeah.
2: And where are you? How were you involved? Uh, I mean, are I'm, you, I'm involved at, uh, to the point that they, they were looking at people, people who run it, pr- uh, producers, things of that nature. And I did mention John Shannon at Enterprise Radio. I said, this individual here has experience in an all-sports type of format. It may be national in scope, and right. it may not have worked. And, sure. it, and it did not work. Uh, but uh, John Sterling also worked there. And um, uh, I, I said, you know, this is somebody you should make a call to. So you're almost a consultant right now. I mean, they're basically that's, that's,
0: using that's, your brain, the mink brain, as a consultant to to launch this all sports talk radio station. That's true, and so you continue to have dinner with this guy.
2: What was the next step? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, we met two, three times every single month uh, until we got to, uh, I'd say, uh, April, May of eighty seven. When they really said, you know what, well, we're going to do this. Yeah, because this thing launches July 1st, 1987. Yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're really going to do this. And um, Jeff Schmollion made that decision. I remember the room in there when he said, we're, we've been talking about this for months. Let's do it. That's how he said it. Very yeah, dramatic. That's the way he did it. Let's that's the way it. he said it. And you're in this meeting. With Rick, yes. You're like a founding father.
0: You understand that. Smolian may be George Washington, but you may be Alexander Hamilton.
2: Uh, I probably was the secretary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How many people are in this room when this decision Uh, is made? uh,
2: Jeff and Rick, uh, there was a a fellow by the name of Norm Gerwitz who was in charge of um, finances, I think, for the company. Uh, Somebody by the name of Doyle Rose who was in charge of, I think, all the radio stations. Rick was the national program director. For Emmis Broadcasting at the time. Where was the meeting? In Queens at Kaufman Astoria? No, it it was in Indianapolis. Oh, this is all in Indianapolis. Oh yeah, no, this is
0: Emmis is based at Indianapolis. Okay, that makes sense now. And Jeff Smolian, who is a name that gets
2: a lot of attention for the birth of Fan, what's his title at the time? What is he doing? He owned it. He owned the company. Yeah, basically, his history his history has always been radio. When he graduated USC, his father bought him a radio station. Not bad. And it was a low power daytime AM called WNTS. They changed it to, to actually to talk, news, talk, and sports. Rick coming did middays um, uh, along with an individual by the name of David Letterman. Oh, I've heard of him. Work worked for David. Uh, Jeff, and then Afternoons was basically a sports show. Uh, Jerry Baker uh, did that. and Doug O'Brien, who I think uh, Dove knows, uh, worked there as well. So uh, so he, he, that's where Jeff got his start. He owned the radio station. Mm. His father gave it to him. Not bad. So, as his graduation president, his father gave him a radio station. I don't know if I'm going to give that to in, Jeff. In Indianapolis. In Indianapolis. It was a low powered, and it was a daytime. It was, and you know, here in New York, we don't know anything about daytime stations, but it was sunrise, sunset at about six o'clock, sometimes seven o'clock. That's it. <laughs> turn, no, I'm literally, That's they, would turn, they would turn off the transmitter. Wow. At this point, you know,
0: when Smolian says, let's do it, do you have a job yet lined up with, with the news radio station? No,
2: not at that time. It's amazing. But, You're but so I, influential. You don't have a but, job but, yet But them. Them. I do remember at, when he said, let's do it, I, I did say, you know what? I would like to go home. I didn't ask for a job. Right. I just said I would like to go home. That's basically asking for a job, though. Yes. Because the job <laughs> is...
1: Now, you understand, this puts him in a very bad position.
2: Why?
0: Because
1: now John Shannon, as you're going to tell us, was hired to put together FAN. Right. And he's told by management to hire John Minko. They know how tight John is with With
0: them. upper management. Correct. So John Shannon... Is the guy who is first hired to put this radio station together now? Correct. Okay. He hired
2: everybody except for one person. You? Me.
0: So management installed you.
2: I was, believe it or not, I was never hired. I never submitted a resume. I never gave them a tape. I was given a job. And what was the job? What was that initial job you were given? Well, the first day... Uh, uh, FAN, as I recall, started. Well, I do know this: July first, nineteen eighty-seven, at three o'clock in the afternoon. You cannot <laughs> dispute that. Yeah. But I, if if my memory serves me correct, it was a Wednesday. On Monday, was a full staff meeting, and we had we must have had a hundred and fifty people in the at,
1: commissary, if I remember.
2: In the, and it was in the commissary, and. All 150, I think that that's the number, I think it's either 147 or 150, something like that, for, for a standalone AM radio station. Mm. And I walked down the stairs, there's all these people, and I said, this can't be. <laughs> one radio station. But
1: that was actually one of the problems when we started. It was put together like a network.
0: There was just too station. many people. Correct. So, what were most of those jobs? I mean, if you have one hundred and fifty people hired
2: for oh, a radio well, station, well, we'll get, we'll get to that. Okay, I mean, there, I'm sorry. there was. We actually had, believe it or not, it, it, we had a fully staffed newsroom, which included a secretary. Wow. We had our own receptionist for the newsroom. That's incredible. <laughs> we had that many a desk people. Desk assistant. Is uh, uh, that was, what that was title, Terry I was called? That, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, I know it's not a new company. It's a new radio station. But this actually reminds me. I was at the beginning of XM. you know. So I'm like you with XM Radio. I was there when it launched. And I thought the biggest problem that they had looking back on it, is they hired too many people. Like they just went nuts. And they spent a lot of money on little things like pens. You know, they had these expensive pens. You know, Everything the, was expensive. The, the money they spent
1: here was because the same way your show has you guys plus two of us in the control room. Right. But in the newsroom now, it's really put together by people who work other shifts. There, every hour of every day, 24-7, even weekends, you had two people in the control room. Mm-hmm. You had a, a tape editor in the in the newsroom. You had a desk assistant in the newsroom. And you had somebody else who was overseeing what's happening in the newsroom. Right, right. So you have all this staff. And there's not revenue coming in overnights to warrant having a full time. Right, it was it was
2: unsustainable. Right. Yeah. Twenty four seven. So after the, uh, we had that meeting, and I have I don't remember what was said. When was this meeting. meeting, by the way? It was. I believe I believe that July first, eighty seven. Was a Wednesday? It so was. This I confirm Monday. that. Yes. It okay. Was? So
0: two days. Yes. I looked it up. You were right on about it. It Was a Wednesday. So July it was 1st. A
2: Monday, and we had like run-throughs and dry, uh, dry runs or whatever. And they what call it- But but after that, and why did meeting- this
1: happen? while HN still on the air, yeah. and at the time, their FM station, which was Hot One Hundred Three, which became Hot Ninety Seven, was also operating from the same did, studios.
0: Did HN? Did the employees of the country station know what was about to happen? While this at that time, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. As now they fact, know. I,
1: I got my, my experience running a board was because I was doing some stuff part-time for HN and for the FM station. Oh,
0: so you're involved now in this?
1: Well, I was, at, I was there before this happened. I was working for, it for, was then Hot 103 in the research okay. department. So you're there. I was already in the building. Did, and you
0: knew the sports station was coming?
1: I was there as they were hiring staff. I okay. interviewed, as a matter of fact, when I was interviewed, so John Shannon was in charge, but right. the first program director was John Pruder. Correct. So he interviewed me. It was actually in the in the office beyond where Spitz was, where it was Boomer and Carton studio before Imas was fired. Office, yes. Correct. So that was what they had. He's talking to me, and I, he says, you know, I'd like to hire you, but you can't work on the Sabbath. If I have somebody else who work on the Sabbath— By the way, can
0: I just cut you off for on one second? Sure. You know, as a guy that runs a board, can you talk into the microphone? You're talking to the side of the microphone. I can't believe, of all people, don't I have I, to I'm tell a, Dove how to a, talk into a microphone. It's not part of my uh, description. Okay, move the microphone so that you can talk directly into it.
1: Actually, you're supposed, there to, talk, you go.
0: You're supposed to talk to the side, actually.
1: Oh, is that e- true? That's
2: right,
0: so you don't pop the peas.
2: Okay. E- e- Evan makes a good point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, that's fine. Go ahead. Anyway, so he's interviewing me and says, how should I hire you? I said, you know, you're right. Somebody else who works the same shifts can be called in an emergency on a Saturday that I can't. But hopefully, the, the job I do during the week is superior enough that right. you want to hire me instead. At this point, John Shannon walks in, hears his part, and says, I've seen him work, hire him. Oh, nice. So you're in. Correct. But in any case, th- the point is that HN and and uh, Hot 103 are all already operating. Right, right, and right. And they're hiring people while this is happening. For the
0: new station. Correct. Incredible.
1: So their staff is leaving one by one as they find a the new job. Right. So actually, besides my fill-in work for HN, I got a, a weekly shift running a countdown show, a recorded <laughs> countdown show. So when they, when they interviewed me, what's my experience running a board? Right. I wrote a, a tape, a reel-to-reel countdown show which, where I inserted just jingles in between the segments.
2: Very good. Look at that. All right. So, now, yeah, go ahead. After that meeting at the commissary, we go downstairs. Keep in mind... The commissary is the basement. We have to go downstairs to the radio station yes. from, from the commissary. Was and it
1: there when you were in the commissary? It was already closed. The commissary? You mean the food area? No, it was when you when you walked in. You remember, Astoria yeah. on the corner, mm-hmm. there was a small door with a, yes. s- with a staircase. Yes. So that that was the commissary, commissary. for the whole building, and they had actually you could buy food. For oh
0: no, no, there wasn't food. It, basically, when I was there, and I was in Astoria for about I guess it was four or five years. It was almost just this empty office. Right. Basically. So at the time yeah. it was
1: actually a working commissary with people making food and wow. you go to a counter and order food. Wow. Nothing kosher of course, but <laughs> Yeah, I understand. But <laughs> and in this shared area for the whole building, including like Sesame Street and the Bill Cosby show, we took over this commissary for this meeting. Right.
2: Okay. Yeah. So I go downstairs and I immediately I'm the first one that that John Shannon meets after this meeting. Okay. And I do uh, what I remember from that meeting basically is this. Thank you very much for getting me this opportunity. I appreciate it. The people that I brought over from ABC, he was at ABC for a long time, and NBC, they appreciate it too. But I have to tell you, we don't want you around here during the daytime. He said it just like that? He said it just like that. What was your response? My response is, if you think that I'm here as a corporate spy or something like that, and I'm going to look and see what's going on, and I'm going to make phone calls and things like that, that ain't happening. So that was uh, uh, the fear that he had, because you were tight with the owner. Not tight with the owner, but you were in the room with the owner. And tight with the, tight the national with, program. With director. the national
0: PD that, from your past that history. That I was
2: brought in. He, he didn't I, – I think he realized that I was from Jersey. I think I told him. Uh, but I think he – they thought and, – uh, and I mean they. There were several others. That I was brought in to mall. To 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 monitor the situation. Right. And at, you can understand. At, that. from their
1: perspective, I understood it. Well, I
2: understood that. it too. Were you ever told, though, by those guys,
0: hey, we want you to give us information? Was I ever contacted? Were you no not contacted. When we'll get to started. that. When you first started was Cummings
2: or... Oh, no, that, They never said ended. anything like that. No. Okay. No, because I did tell them that, too. That you didn't want to be a mole. Uh, uh, I didn't... No, I did not want to be... And they did not want me to be a mole. Okay. So they just were trying to get you a gig. You know, yeah. you you were very helpful. Obviously, they, they they
0: valued your opinion. Think about the influence you had in helping build this station. So they just wanted to genuinely... Help you out get
2: your job there. Yeah, look at all. If they valued my opinion and you look at the first year. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, that, that, that's how that went. And, you know, when I walked out of there, this is two days before J- July 1st. Uh, you know, I didn't know what to think. How did it end? Did it end by you just saying, okay? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. Okay. I, I don't you, don't remember. Re- you remember, though, that he said that to oh, you? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, uh, that's yeah. got a sting. Uh, it, yeah, it did.
0: Of course. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, this is you so know. So what what happened next? Are you July first? Well, they give me my hours. What day? The next day. And, um, you know what? I it, it might was have been it before the next the day, day launch? because we had because we had drive throughs and practice sessions. It may have been the next day, but it was before that day. I, I don't The launch don't of
0: the station on Wednesday, July first, though. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, but my hours in the beginning was. Mid, uh, the, the here WFAN trivia shows you that the original update people, and we did updates every 15 minutes. You see, I do remember that, the sports flashes every 15 <laughs> every minutes. Every 15 yeah.
0: minutes. And you had basically the long-form update at top and 30, correct? No, there was uh, they were oh, yeah, all the same. They were all the same. Wait a I thought they were flashes at 15 no, and 45. No, and that's changed oh. afterwards. Oh, that's okay. That the, didn't the, happen, the original though. concept
1: didn't was that their main competition was a sports phone. That's like There correct. was an information station. That was the goal. They wanted to get you the scores as often as possible. There's no need. Their the promos that we ran were don't call sports
2: phones, you save us. your money. Right.
0: That's correct. So the, every 15 minutes would basically be a four minute sports I don't
2: know four but you know what there were people and I'll tell a story as move to, uh, time moves along they, they were at least two and a half minutes uh, but, but, the, wow. but but the thing was this and, and this is hard for maybe the listener to comprehend and it, it, this is maybe difficult for a host like yourself to comprehend you complimented the update people,
1: No, 100%. I mean, right. as,
2: as opposed to me and and the other update folks here at the fan complimenting the program, it was the other way around. Interesting. But Isn't it makes sense. Heads?
0: It makes sense based on what you're saying, that sports phone was the competition, and it was about information more than the it was way opinion. They,
1: they put it was it was rock and roll sports. That the, same when you program a, a music station to give you the hits every right. couple of hours. This was a rock and roll sports station, the same kind of thing with quick hits with the information
0: so that you... Interesting.
2: That's interesting. It makes sense, though, when you think about that time period. And and figure this as as well, because, you know, no cell phones and and things like that, Right. the the radio and sports phone were the quickest way for the gamblers to get Mm, your scores. So here, if you were the gamblers and needed to know the scores, you got them every 15 minutes. But on the other hand, we were getting the scores through a teletype, so if I was giving a baseball score out of town, uh, uh, Cardinals and Cubs or something like that. It was at least two innings behind. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> but you know what? There's no <laughs> other way for anyone to know that they're two innings behind. No. Well, it was not like your sports shitting... that was
1: ahead of us. Well, they...
0: Do we know that they were?
1: Probably not, because they hired somebody to to give the scores also based yeah. on that telltale.
0: It's not as bad as it sounds. Now you hear it today, and you're thinking, "My God, you're two innings behind." But you
2: wouldn't know the difference. Ignorance no, is bliss. No, but but that was that's so that, that's unbelievable now. It think. really is. We were given scores. So
0: even after the conversation where he says to you, hey, we'd rather you not be around, they're still keeping you around because they gave you hours and you're working at WFAN. So that conversation
2: just went nowhere. Well, they could, they could get rid of me. but they, so they uh, wanted they had to leave. They, they, ha- they wanted me to leave. Oh, absolutely. And, and here, here's A from that conversation when they told me that. Mm. You know, you're not around here. So my hours with, with this, the, the original midnight to six update people were ed coleman and me wow believe it or not how about that and, and susan came shortly at thereafter well wasn't susan Coleman
0: the first voice on wf yeah, she, she, she six. she did noon to six okay
1: updates noon to six and then they moved her to over well stress. before
0: you continue so susan did updates noon to six she was the first voice ever heard on the fan at three when she was done with her update at 303 who came on the air the host. And who was that host? Jim Lampley. Jim Lampley was the first host to come oh, on the air. Filling in for the person
1: they hired who had had a heart attack and couldn't be on the oh, air. Oh,
0: cool. hold on a second. All right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. the original <laughs> afternoon host was whom? Pete, Pete, Pete Franklin. Pete Franklin, who yeah. I've heard of. Okay. He had a heart attack and was not ready to start on July 1st? That's correct. correct. Do you remember when he started?
2: Like how long after? September I think I don't remember. So
0: the 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 first afternoon host was on the injured list before it even started. That's
2: disabled list. Ah, Disabled Disabled list. Yeah.
0: So Jim Lampley. That's true. Jim Lampley was the first host. He was
2: filling in for Pete Franklin. Do you remember what his opening monologue was about? Yes. Remember? I do remember this because it's on my 25th anniversary uh, CD of the radio station that nobody wanted. The first I thing nobody coffee. wanted. I'll take I, I, I it right now. The, one of the first things that, Lam- that one of the first things that Lampley said was, "What the world need now is an all sports radio <laughs> station." <laughs> and, and then he said, "We want to talk about influential things in the world of sports. Don't call up to congratulate us and wish us luck on the format." Interesting. He said, "Don't call us up to congratulate us." Did it was. Honestly, was he good, Jim Lampley?
0: You could be honest. I don't, he was I don't not good. Remember. He was a pro. He, he was a good He was a good host. He actually was
1: hard to do midday. He's, Phil didn't because Pete was sick. Oh, okay.
0: Well, that's different. So he's the midday host. Correct. But he's doing it. After- and shortly
1: after that, if you remember, he actually moved to the West Coast. He
2: moved to California.
1: Because he got a TV gig mm-hmm. out there. And he was doing it by remote. Uh, Lou Ruffino, who ran the board for Imus eventually, uh, was running his board. And because of his... Um, Uh, let's say, tardiness, Rufino had to create like a five- to seven-minute opening production (laughs) piece of of highlights of Lambly to make sure he was there. Wait, 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 hold on a
2: second. And the show was called The
0: Hotel California. So he admitted he was doing a show from California. Yeah. So the first (laughs) New York-based talk show, New York-based radio station. That that was part of the issue, that it wasn't just
1: New York people. I mean, think of the lineup. Right. Pete Franklin's from Cleveland. Right. Greg Jim Lampley is a, based out of California. Right. right. Gregus was a national name. That's why they hired him,
0: not because of his local roots. Was Jim Lampley a national name at that point? Yes. Or was, he was. Okay. Yes. So yeah, he was. W-
2: was he it, was on ABC. Yeah. Were, right. were these guys talking New York sports, or was it oh, more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It w- in the beginning, it, as I recall, the first week of the station, was all Daryl Strawberry all the time. Really? Okay. So even though these guys aren't based out of New
0: York, they're still doing the WFN format of, hey, we're mostly talking New York sports. Even though they were just kind of the, they were the co-star for the real star, which was the updates. Right.
2: Okay. That, that believe it or not, that's true. <laughs> so your first shift is that morning or the following morning at midnight? Yeah. A, a, a set, my hours were Saturday and Sunday, or Friday night, Saturday overnight. Whatever you oh, want to it call it. Oh, it wasn't during the week. It was weekend. Oh no, overnight. no, they didn't want me during no, the he,
0: week. He did two
1: two nights work with Jody. Jody was the host then. Jody McDonald, right. correct.
2: He was the original. He was a- Jody is an original FAN. He was the original weekend overnight guy. That's correct.
0: And the weekday overnight guy was Steve, Steve Summers. Steve Captain Summers. Captain Midnight. Wow. Captain Midnight. So think about that. The most sustainable hosts from the opening day of WFN were the overnight guys Steve Summers still going strong, Jody Mack still going strong, and the two update people.
2: Yeah, Eddie C. and he's John Minko. How about that? That's kind of crazy. And, and of course, Mr. Kramer, and what were you doing at this oh, moment? Oh, I, overnight, <laughs> because I couldn't
1: work late Friday afternoon. My right. Monday through Friday shift was really Sunday night into Monday morning, into Thursday night, into Friday. So morning. you
0: did during the week overnight. It was
1: Monday through Friday, but it was midnight to six a.m. The show.
0: Yeah, so Steve you were Summers. working with Steve Summers. Correct. Was there a producer with you? Was it just yes. you two?
1: No, it was the producer. Who was the producer? It's an
2: entourage. Yeah,
1: uh, the first was a. Uh, uh, Jeff Slied?
2: Slied, Sleed? Sleed, right. He came from St. Louis. Right. Okay. And then
1: and then shortly after that, Bruce Murray, who had been in the newsroom, he replaced Jeff and came in with the producer for Steve uh, overnight. I Bob think Bruce, Mar- Bruce
0: Murray works at SiriusXM, correct. correct? That's okay. correct. Uh, was Steve Summers the same guy as he is today? Pretty much. <laughs> That's <laughs> Pretty crazy. Pretty much. So, Mink, here you are. They gave you this shift that they hoped would cause you to quit. Is that a fair statement?
2: Um... Bas- there were several instances that appeared that way. A, this, the midnight. It, I mean, uh, that's fine. I accepted that. I had right worked overnight Right away, this
1: just they gave you that, sh- that tough shift.
2: No, they gave me that sh- right in the beginning. Right I, the I beginning, worked that yeah. first weekend. And so.
1: But they told you that was because they want you out of the building. During they the wanted me out
2: of the building. And, w- and what they did on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they put me on the street. Uh, so I you, would go cover games and things like that. For instance, I would go to Shea Stadium to go like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a three-game homestand or something like that. Or the Yankees, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And after the game, I would go down into the locker room and get the audio tape and things like that. Susan did that eventually. And Ann Liguori actually did this too. But they had permission to send the tape from the stadium. And to the people that were in the newsroom. Uh, to, this was so, to, I
1: was at the end of that. They would call the newsroom and feed it over the phone. Oh, oh my
0: God.
2: God. Yeah. But that must have been terrible quality.
1: I, 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 and me had, had to record it on a reel-to-reel and edit it on a reel-to-reel tapes. Aye, aye, aye.
2: But I did not have that ability. They told me I had to come back to the station, that the tape ops were not allowed to work with me. <laughs> that they sent me back to wh- who would be Joey DeFazio's studio, I had to edit the tape and edit raps all by myself. And you think they were doing this on purpose? Well, how come they got the advantage of our, oh. our multiple staff newsroom and they were told not to work with me?
0: So this is basically a vendetta of they're afraid you're a mole, they're going to keep you away, and they're going to try to make your job miserable That you because they can't fire fire you,
2: yeah. But 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 because because I mean, they told me they didn't want me, right? No, they were honest. So, so, all right, they were honest. So, (laughs) so so basically, this theory I'm not making this up. Just to be fair, though,
1: now you could be right, but it's also true that you had the ability to do that because you had a radio background. The other names you mentioned could not have edited their own. This is
2: Doe being a contrarian, yeah. Well, so I'll counter (laughs) that with this all right, on a Wednesday, I would get back to the station. I would do all the editing, and it's not like it's done in 10, 15 seconds like it is today. Yeah. I mean, between that and I knew how to do all that stuff. And I'd get home at 3 o'clock in the morning. All right. And they didn't play my stuff the next day. So you do all the work and they wouldn't use your stuff? Most of the time, no. Unless they used it in a 6 o'clock hour. But anyway, so I got home at 3. I would get home on 3 a.m., on thursday morning all right mm-hmm. 3 a.m thursday morning by friday night at 10 p.m i had to be back at the station to do the overnights Jeez, that was my weekend it, so you worked i the, didn't I, I didn't i worked every basically every day i didn't have a i didn't have any weekends were they paying you enough to to live by the way at this point too Yeah, but but you got to remember here in July and August, the family did not come until Labor Day. And while everybody was scrambling to find places to live because they put you up in a hotel for two weeks, I didn't have to worry about that. And they were not happy about that because I went back to my parents for a month. They may as well. So you're with your parents and your wife, and now kids are or still back in, in Indiana. Indiana. Why were they
0: was... upset about that? It saves them the money. I
2: don't. Well, well no, they weren't going to pay for anything else because they wanted him to be miserable to quit. He but, had it but, easy by going and, back to and his parents. Here, and here's another thing, and I can't justify they had anything to do with this, but I wonder. All right, they gave me part of the deal was you could go back to Indiana. Clawsey goes back to Iowa, and go, and everybody goes back wherever they wanted. Wanted to go or needed to go. And so I go back to Indianapolis to visit. Mm-hmm. And this is at the end of July. Now, the c- competing radio station, WYBC, was uh, better than the station that I came for. They call me up while I'm there in Indianapolis and offer me a job. The competing station, a wire in Indianapolis, offered yeah, you a job. Offer me a job when I go back there. And I said to myself, how did they know? I don't know any of these people here. Hey, there's no opening. How do they know I'm here? So where, what do you think that was? I don't know. Do you think it uh, was? Uh, who's, uh, the, who's the PD at
0: the fan now again? I forgot. The, the guy who's trying to get you to quit? John Pruder. Did John Pruder call up a buddy and say, offer this guy a job because I want him to get the hell out of here?
2: We'll never know. It,
1: it
0: probably shattered more than Pruder would do that. Shannon or Pruder, either one of them, the guys that wanted you out.
2: That makes sense, doesn't it?
0: Hey, I, 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 get this you know, guy a I, job. I I no,
2: it, it just seems that there were, that something like, like that happened. There were other things as well. They, I, uh, Somebody got sick, and I had to do Greg Gumbel's shift from 6 until noon. After I was done at noon, you think I went home? Oh, absolutely not. They sent me to the South Street Seaport, and some guy was going around Long Island Sound in a motorboat, <laughs> and he was gonna. And I had to do an hourly report. What on how he was doing? This is after a shift. And I got a parking air- ticket at the South oh, Street Seaport? Of course you did. did. Did you even air that? Did they even air that report? They they aired a couple with Lampley, and because Lampley. Uh, it was a situation which there were a number of people doing filling in for Pete Franklin. Uh, Lampley actually was the midday host, and right. this is, and this is early on, so he's in in New York. And then after two reports, he sent me home. He said y- y- they wanted me to cover all that twice an hour with reports, and then get tape <laughs> with with this guy.
0: That's a serious story.
2: Uh, uh, it, it, there was another time aye, aye, aye. that. There was a football game between Wagner and Fordham, and there was a news conference about this. And so they said to me, he says, the news conference is at Fordham. Drive up to Fordham, go to the news conference, and then send us the tape. I go up to Fordham, and I find out that the news conference is in the city. (laughs) I call up the station. I said, you told me to come here. He says, oh, we gave you the wrong information. Right. Leave your car there. Hop on the subway and go wherever this was in Manhattan. I said, you're kidding. So I get on the subway. I left my car at Fordham, and I go wherever it was. I sent and, and I did the tape. Then they tell me, he said, okay, go back to your car, drive back, come to the studio and go in the back room and edit all the tape. I said, you're, you're, you're kidding. And um, But you did all of it. I mean, you were oh, listening I to I did them. everything. Yeah. I did everything they told me to do. Sure. Everything. Did all, you even, even all, anything. Did you
0: ever consider, I know you didn't want to, but calling the people you knew in Indianapolis to say,
2: you got to hear what they're making me do. I. I considered it. And every time I considered it, that conversation with myself was short. I said no. Yeah. I said I said I would never do it. Right. And well, that's the same thing. You weren't you being a
1: mole. You were just complaining about how they treated you. But again, it would have made it worse if if they got it from
0: up top, treat you better. Of course, it would have made it worse. That's the biggest problem. Right. With it. Uh, what would have happened?
2: Right? Yeah. So so anyway, uh, there was uh, so shortly af- thereafter, after the boat thing. And then the Fordham thing, <laughs> and and then uh, I got sick. Uh, and what kind I was, of sick? I was covering. Well, I was covering Uh-oh. a Met game at Shea Chase Stadium, and I drive into the parking lot, park the car. It's ninety degrees outside. I'm sitting in the car with the windows closed and the heater on. What? And I am like, would you have pneumonia or something? I, well, and, uh, so I go into Shea Stadium. And I ended up not going into the press box. There there was a blower right outside the media room at the old chase Stadium, and it blew out hot air. I stood under that for the entire game, went down to the locker room after the game, interviewed, whatever I had to do, and, and then went to the station and... And then everything. Then I went to the doctor the next day. The Doctor said I had walking pneumonia.
0: Walking pneumonia, yeah, sounded like that when you're you described it. And so uh,
2: I I called in sick. I could not do the weekend. My replacement was Rich Lerner, and uh, and, and so that's that that happened in a, about a month after all this stuff w- was going on. And uh, the uh, there was another day shift. Uh, somebody got sick, and and I filled in from noon until 6. And and it, it shows you where um, I'm coming from that I that I think I'm right in all this. I walk in there to start at 12 noon, and the person that I was relieving came up to me and said, You're still here? <laughs> Thinking that you would have
0: quit by now. Yeah. Who was that person? Do you remember? Oh, I, I remember. You don't want to say the name?
2: No. Do we know who this person is? No. Oh, okay. Mr. Kramer would, but uh, uh, you, you okay. wouldn't. Then it's not that big of a deal. No. Okay. I don't want to mention names. That's
0: fine. No, no, but but, but yeah, anyway, the,
1: the other people on the staff realized that they were trying to get him to quit. Well, would you admit,
0: though, that the people were trying to get him to quit? Yeah, of course they were. Oh, okay. Because it sounded yeah. before like you were skeptical about it. You know, no, it
1: depends on what. Uh, getting the tape, in general, I understand. The way they did it was clearly to get him out.
0: When did... Things change now. I mean, you've been here for a few months. They're clearly giving you these missions that is causing you to become miserable.
2: Did anything change? What happened? May of 88.
0: That's a little bit less than a year.
2: The station was not doing well. Uh, what, ratings wise. Ratings.
1: And also revenue.
0: And right. revenue. Ratings, oh, expenses, revenue, everything. Okay. I
2: mean, it, it, the station, you would not believe what it sounded like. Well, you're so, describing it. it
0: doesn't, I mean. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah, but describing it does not. It was It that does bad? not do it. What was, what was so bad about it? We had a bunch of. We had no idea what we were doing.
1: Well, first of all, <laughs> they, were, they were programming it towards the, the people who want the scores every 15 minutes, right. which was not the mainstream listener. Um, and what makes Fan Fan is the personalities. It's the Joe Beningos, It's the Evan Roberts. It's the Mike Franceses that you can relate to a sports fan that shares their passion for sports. And here it was just like cold information and just you know, not the the local flavor and passion that that we know. Of okay, F-A-N. it was
2: a national but, network, right? Locally, so gotcha. May have and, and during the overnights, I used to tell Jody. Certain things, not all the things that I'm telling you now, but little things like that. He knew, you know, and he never held it against me, that you know I was from Indiana and I knew this right. and, and all this and everything like that. Well, it was, and I remember the the time frame because I, I everything I referenced was to the Indianapolis 500. The first weekend of qualifications, which was the week after the Kentucky Derby, they let two people go. Emmis did from. From FAN. From FAN. okay. And I know the names, but it's that's not. Fine, that's I, fine. I remember the names. Okay. But I, it's not important. Right. All right. And so folks at FAN were, you know, a little apprehensive. So Jody goes to me. He says, why don't you call up your friends in Indiana and find out what's going on around here? Mm. And this was after the 3 o'clock AM update. I could picture Jody saying that right now in his and, voice. And, and, I, and I remember the exact words that I said to Jody. I said, Jody, I said I would never call for anything like that, ever. And then there was a pause, and then I was about ready to walk out of the newsroom, and I said, they know where to find me. Mm. And wouldn't you know it, the phone rang the next morning. Really? From whom? From Rick. From Rick Cummings. Yep. About okay. 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I had just woke up from a nap or whatever. <laughs> and he told me, what shift are you working tomorrow? Uh, and, and people were gone. We actually had Susan cover, traveling with the Knicks, <laughs> believe it or not. And I, and I was working noon to 6. Because Susan Pete was Franklin. with the Knicks, right? And, and, uh, you know, and um, uh, because John Channon and them, they were gone by then. Mm-hmm. Gone
0: and where? We, just not, not the, at, well, at the building John, at the John, time?
2: John Pruder passed away oh, in s- December of 87. Oh, wow. Okay. And John Channon was gone. Wow. So I, I don't remember that the circumstances around that. I, but I the, just don't. Were the new bosses treating you the same way? No. No. Uh, but we'll get to that. But anyway, um, they told me, come to the Parker Meridian Hotel at 7 o'clock tomorrow night which was that Monday night. I'm going to be there. Norm Gerwitz is going to be there. We want to talk to you. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I find my way, way to the Park Meridian. And we talked about the station. We didn't talk about the direction. I, a lot of what was discussed, it was 31 years ago. I, I don't remember. All I remember is that they bought me a plane ticket And said, be on this plane ticket out of Newark tomorrow morning to Indianapolis. This is the hotel you're staying at. To do what? To talk to Jeff. Jeff Smolian. Wow. You're a big shot, Mink. I'll uh, tell you. The next morning, I flew out to Indianapolis. Wow. Uh, Nobody knew. Scott Meyer was the general manager at that time.
1: John knew Scott from before that. You knew Scott before he came to FAN.
2: No. Did <laughs> you no? tell him no. Mink who he knew? No, he was not an MS person. <laughs> he was not. No. He's the GM of the station. I think he and...
0: came from Minneapolis. Okay. He's the GM. He doesn't know you're on this plane, or he does know you're on no, this plane? No, he does not. So
2: no one knows except for Smolian and Cummings. That I'm on this plane. Okay. You're off to Indianapolis. What happens? Uh, I, I go, and they pick me up, and they drive me to Smolian's house, mm. which was right off of Eagle Creek. And nice I house. remember oh it's gorgeous. He had an outdoor kitchen. Wow. <laughs> Not a barbecue. In, in an Indiana. Outdoor kitchen. You, you <laughs> <used> know, Indiana. <laughs> and we're out in the back and um you know he says um to me after after we, we talked for a little while about and I and I don't remember, you know, the what preluded it prelude and, and he goes and he said you know what we've we've worked really hard at this and um we gave it our best shot oh my god so it's over basically and i paused and i said no you didn't <laughs> <laughs> mink saved the station wow i said that and so he started asking me questions and at that time I do remember, I don't remember the exact qu- the questions that he asked, but I was very uncomfortable. Mm. And so Rick says, I'll take you to dinner. So we went to, he's in Eagle Creek. We went to a place, they called it the Monuments in Indianapolis. It was called the Bicycle Club. And we went to dinner there. And we talked about the station. We talked about people. We talked about how many people? What we were you saying? Were you, giving, were you giving opinions? What the, I was giving opinions. You know, what exactly I said? I don't remember. Mm. But I do remember this from that. I, I do remember him saying, you know, I wasn't too happy with you letting those two people go last week. You said that? I said that. Wow. And he said, well, we're going to let four more go Friday. Uh-huh. And he gave me the names. And I, and I do remember saying, don't let. That happened, and I said that exactly like that.
0: Did you feel those four people were valuable, or do you just feeling bad that people were losing their jobs? No, I do not want anybody losing okay. jobs.
2: Oh, I'm just curious. All right, you know, and, and, you know, and I, you know, so I, I did. You know, I I told them what I thought. I I mean, I I I don't remember a lot. I I did tell them about the importance of being local. You know, I I told them. Um, I told. I did tell them. That you needed a a program director that was a veteran radio person did not have to be an expert in sports. Had to be an expert, a pro a professional programmer. Right. I said that that's um. I, I said and that's you know in a way, that's how Mason got hired. Yeah, correct. Um, he, he he was, was a prof- professional. He, he, was, he was a professional programmer, not an expert in sport. Now, I'm not saying didn't know anything about it, but he was an you were not going to have— That's a, Mark
0: Mason you're talking about? Yeah.
2: How soon after this meeting did he get hired? Bob Bernstein was the program director, and he did not last long. He may have lasted three or four months. But anyway, so after that, I, f- I fly back to do my overnight shift because they had me working all the time. And you, by they way,
0: always did. You made no mention during any of
2: these meetings about your treatment? At the station? No, you never said No, anything. I never did. Wow, no, I never did. But but I did do this upon leaving. I said, uh, I said, well, you're not gonna, you're not gonna tell Scott Meyer about this, are you? And Rick says, yes, we have to. I said, wait a minute here. <laughs> I said, you fly me out of, over here confidentially. You're gonna tell the general manager that I was out here and what we talked about and everything like that. And, and Rick goes, don't worry, nothing can happen to you. <laughs> so I get back, and I'm getting ready to do the overnight shift, and it's Friday at about 6 p.m. I call the newsroom. Brian Walsh picks up the phone, and it was a phone call that lasted 30 seconds. And, and I remember that to the hilt. Right. I said, Brian, how you doing? He says, fine. How you doing? I'm fine. Can I ask you a question? He said, sure. Anybody get fired today? He said, no. And I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So those guys did those people survive then?
0: Yeah, not but, just Friday, but oh, the I, following I, I, few I don't weeks. know about
2: that part. But, but there was a, I mean, that, then we go
0: longer <laughs> on.
2: I'm sure. I'm, i I even survived it.
0: Uh, sure. <laughs> there was
1: a major purge after right after that. That
2: was in August. August of, 88. of 80, eighty-eight. August of eighty-eight. There was a May, so those four did not get did not get fired. Believe it or not. Wow. And so August of eighty-eight, there was a May, and I mean major. I mean, we had so many people. We had, believe it or not, when, when Jody was doing Midnight to Six, we had at 530 every, and this person was making more than me uh, or most people. He did a fishing report from Long Island Sound. (laughs) Kenny Kephart. Ken Kephart. And, Focus on fishing. Focus on fishing at 5.30 in the morning. And and Jody, oh, working the overnights at that time myself, all we did was count down this report for like five hours. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we we get to August and, um, uh, oh, no, we'll go back to, um, uh, uh, when I get back to the station, I walk in. The first thing that Scott Meyer says, "I want to see you in your my office." Oh boy! This oh, is my goodness. I go in there, and obviously he's trying to pry things out of me, right? And um, because I would venture to say that there was a seven to maybe ten day span of the history of this radio station in which I knew more than the general manager. Mm. I'd say about a week that that week, so I don't remember how that went all i all I know is I was terrified
0: why why were you terrified the The upper management is basically well, saying he can't do anything to you uh, uh, yeah, but
2: I'm not going to sit there and say, Oh don't you know who I am no, 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 no <laughs> that. That, i was that's the way I am no, I get that so so I walked out of the office, and Joel Hollander comes up to me, and he goes he goes. Don't worry, everything is fine. I'm going to be the general manager soon. <laughs> was, Joel was a general sales manager at the time. He says that about a guy. So he's job. telling me <laughs> that Scott Myers is on his way out. Wow! <laughs> and that he's going to be the general manager. And it turned manager. out to be true. But 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 right? the thing. And Joel knew, but Joel liked me, right. and, and uh, you know, he, he, Joel was. Well, I mean, I didn't have that many supporters. Sure. In the first year of the station, I don't have any. Mm. And, um, you know, very, very few
0: people that liked me
1: or anything. Well, many people didn't know you because you were hardly there except for the overnight weekends.
0: But the people that did like you were the most important people. I mean, not at the station, but those in Indiana. And you just mentioned Joel Hollander liked you, who went on to become the general manager. So the right people liked
2: you. Apparently, yeah. and, and Joel knows this story because uh, I told him told him at the thirty year reunion about it, about how he said
0: he was going to get the GM job. He, uh,
2: this whole story, me f- be getting flown oh. out, and, and, and this in this whole thing. Well, is that the first he had ever heard of it when you told him that he did not know that. So at this point, he he didn't know the specifics of it. He knew he didn't know what happened. That's right. why he knew why I was in Scott Meyer's office with the door shut. So at this point, did anything change? They knew the station
0: wasn't doing well. It's now a year in. What was the big change, if any, that occurred
2: a year in? The purge in in August. The purge in August. This this would be 88.
0: Yes, August of 88, 13 months into WFM. This is right when the,
1: the company had just bought... The NBC stations, radio stations that they were getting out of the radio industry.
0: WNBC. Including
1: NBC, correct. And that's when we moved to
0: 66, so 660.
2: So during this
0: purge, you guys moved to 660 away from 1050? That
2: happened yeah. right around we the same actually, time? We actually, believe it or not, the, the, I think the purge, I mean, the purge was in August. I'm pretty sure that's okay. right. And uh, if it's not, maybe it was September. But, uh, but it, was, uh, it was either August or September. But it was we, not July. What was the purge? Get rid of, I'd say half the staff. Yes, correct.
0: Half the staff.
2: Half, and and I was on that list to get to be gotten rid of. Yes. And what happened? Um, Can I corporate, say corporate found out that what? I was on the list and took me off the list. Wow. <laughs> they right. said, "Get that name off the list." <laughs> that that's and exactly somebody else right. Was put on instead. It's the so some poor soul lost their job. Well, we know hmm. who too. Oh, you know the name? Oh yes, we do. He's <laughs> the first person. That thought, that wanted to know why I was still there. Do you, can you reveal the name or you're gonna keep that secret? No, it's not okay. important. Okay. If, if the icon wants to, that's fine. I Go put, ahead.
1: Uh, you know him also, actually. Well, then
2: just say the
0: freaking name:
1: Andy Poland.
0: Andy Poland, who now works and actually had a very successful career, has a very, very successful, successful career, career down career. in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Andy Poland, think about the impact of radio. He lost his job because they took Mink off the list. And as we mentioned, went down to DC. I remember him with Tony Kornheiser, right. Andy Poley. and I think with program director, sports director down there for the. Sports there. director. Okay, so had a very good career, yes. so probably director. worked out well for
2: him. Oh, absolutely. So you did him a favor. Yeah, <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> yeah. but 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 uh, that was the first of at least two times that I was fired. Wow. I was fired by later on. Later on, you're fired again, except yeah. not fired. I,
0: I was fired again. Well, we'll get to that, but there's a lot to get to. There may be five parts of this John Manko interview, but let me end it here. All right. All right. Let me end part two here. Programming wise, what changed with the purge? Now they got rid of a lot of employees. Did they change
1: the shows
2: well, at this the, moment?
1: Well, that was Mark Mason. Yeah, Mark, Mark Mason changed. the He stand replaced
2: to the Bob Bernstein, who lasted like three hours. Three, was this around? <laughs> <three> <laughs> Was bucks. this around the time of the purge when Mark Mason took over? Correct. Okay. He changed the sound of the station
0: to sound more like we know it today. Right? Correct. Right. He moved this to 2020s instead of
1: every, every 15 minutes. Are you
0: sure about that? Because I remember growing up hearing 15, 15, 15. No, he, he changed it to, to 2020s. know about that. I may have to fact no. check you on that.
2: He did change it to 2020. There was a time really? that was top and bottom. Yeah,
0: top, bottom, and then 15 and 45. I remember growing up to that.
2: Let me give you one other instance here before we close on this segment. Close part and, two, yes. And this is, this is like the WIBC, did I get hired in this thing. Scott Meyer was the general manager. He's – one of his people that he brought in was Mark Boyle to do Midnight to Six. Great guy. And what happened one night, Stan Martin was uh, the uh, sports director. That was his title. And he sports director also. in all sports. Di- updates and he, he did updates. He's basically in charge of operations. He, he really, also
1: was the voice. If you he heard the introductions to the member at the top of the hour, we had the yeah. highlights. Yeah. F-A-N uh, flashback. Flashback.
0: W-F-A-N flashback. Right. So August the, 5th, 1962.
1: Right. So that voice was Stan Martin. Yes. Okay. All right. Here's the,
2: here's the story. And you can read into it whatever you want. I was doing uh, uh, noon to six. John clossy was working six to noon. It came from Stan, but it came from Scott Meyer that we needed to switch for a night. And Clossy did, and I said, All right, sure. You know, Clossy needs to work in the noontime. Why not? So we switch. I asked John, though, You know, why are we switching? You got to go somewhere or something? He said, No, they just told me we were doing this. I said, hmm, Okay, that's fine. So it's six to midnight. It becomes around 10 o'clock. My replacement doesn't come in. My replacement doesn't call in. Hmm. Nothing. Mark Boyle never showed up. They made me work till 6 a.m. Oh, you think it was on purpose? No, we'll never know. They made Mark me. Mark wouldn't
1: do that. I, I, I worked overnight with Mark for a while. He's a good guy. I didn't even hear the story, but I can't imagine Mark.
2: They made me that. go to 6 a.m. They made me start at noon that day. Oh, my God. But, but who wasn't Stan touched? Martin yeah. sent me home after 2 p.m. Because he had compassion.
0: It, <laughs> Stan was a sweetheart.
2: Stan was the best. So
0: are, are you implying that it was a? Another... I'm not
2: implying anything. <laughs> I'm just telling you. All right. I'm just telling you it, that was strange. Very interesting. So what we've learned And here... I did go to the GM, and I said, you know, you know, Mark didn't come in. He didn't call in or anything. Response? Oh, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal to him. Have to, he I... knew he was going. Yeah. He knew he was going to be fine. To ask
1: him what happened.
2: You're going to try to find out the no, of this? No, it's not important. I mean, to me. Especially now. So we'll
0: find out the answer in part three of the John Minko interview. This was very good. Oh, yeah. We learned about the birth of WFN, and we learned how Minko was a founding father, yet the original people that ran the radio station did everything they could to get him to quit. Thank you, Doe, for sitting in. Thank you, Mink. And thank you for listening to part two of John Minko, the interview.